Welcome to the Washington Church Toledo Podcast. Together, we are learning to encourage one another to walk with God through cultivating a personal relationship with Jesus the Christ. This podcast consists of recordings from our Sunday morning worship services and other teaching events that you are more than welcome to come join us live. Good morning, everybody. Good to be with you. Good to see you all. Um, whether you're here or, or online with us, um, it's good. It's good to be together. I uh, just want to draw your attention to this real quick before I get into the message. Um, March is going to be very full for us at Washington. Uh, we still have core groups going on, but we're going to have an Ash Wednesday service. We're going to partner with First Alliance Church and Grace Church again. We've had a long-standing relationship with them. It's always been good. It's going to be at Grace this time, um, so I'd encourage you to be aware of that. Uh, every uh, Sunday night in the month of March, we're going to do a, a class on the spiritual gifts. So I've been talking about this for a long time now. I've been praying about this for a long time now. I feel like God finally has revealed kind of how we're supposed to do this. Um, so I'd encourage you to, to come. Um, we're going to, um, I don't even know what time it starts. Does it say on there? Six o'clock. Thank you. Uh, but put that in your calendar. The other thing I want to encourage you is this. If you've got high schoolers, this would be a great thing to bring them to. I mean, it's great for all of you to come, but I can't even imagine being in high school and having somebody speak truth into my life around on spiritual gifts. That would have radically changed my life in a huge way. Um, so not only do, do we as, as adults, um, as people of God, need to know what our gifts are, because each one of us has gifts. God gives us good gifts. Um, but man, if we can begin to teach our, our, our younger people about those things, all, all the better. Um, so we are in part three of uh, uh, talking about the Spirit of God, the movement of God. And I'm excited. Next week, we're going to have a guest speaker come. Um, her name is Sarah Williams. She's spoken at our encounter night. Um, she's hiding here this morning. She snuck in just to hang out with us this morning. Um, so if you find her, like Where is Waldo style, say hello and, and tell her you're looking forward to seeing her next week. But I'm excited to see. She's going to come, and, and, and we haven't figured out what she's going to talk about, but I, I told her, I, I said, you'll know. Um, so she knows what we've talked about up to this point, but uh, it'll be great. So, so that'll be next Sunday. Um, it'll be good, and that'll give me time to prep for this class as well, which is good. This morning, this is what I wanted to talk about, and, and uh, we're taking communion, so if you're listening at home, get the things you need, because we're going to do that at, at the end of the message. Um, as, we, as we talk about the Spirit of God, and we've talked about various things, attributes of the Spirit, the character of the Spirit we talked about last time, uh, the down payment that was given to us and all that comes with that and how most of us aren't even tapping into the down payment. Um, but I thought it would be good to talk about that question, how do you know it's God? How many know what I'm talking about? Okay, when, okay the rest of you have it down. Well done. Um, but I think we go through life, and if, if we're actively pursuing the faith and we're following Jesus hard, we're, we're having experiences because that's what we're designed, and the Spirit is wanting to lead us because that's what the Spirit does, the Spirit of God, the very presence of God that lives in us, wants to guide us and wants to lead us. But oftentimes we find ourselves, at least I find myself saying, is that you, Lord? Is that you or is that me? Or is that something else? And I, I think m- most of us don't realize there are ways to tangibly understand if it's the Lord moving in your life. Fifteen years ago, I signed up for this course as my mentor was taking it. It was a three-year course, and a, and a huge part of that course was how do you discern the will of God? So I literally spent three years studying that, um, and ever since have been studying it. And so when I, when I went to get ready for uh, this, this message, it wasn't a matter of what I'm, I'm going to say. It's a matter of what was I going to leave out, because um, there's so many things. We could literally do a six-month series on discernment. There's that much material. But I just want to give you some practical, real tangible ways to discern the will of God in your life. Because I want you to know this. I want you to know that God is not not a God that plays hide and seek. God wants you to know what he wants you to do. It's his will that you would know his will. Does that make sense? Right? He's not trying to keep it from us. He's not trying to say you need to work harder for it. He literally wants to hand it to us but I think we, oftentimes we lack the receptivity um, in a way. And I would also say for, for just what is moving at Washington right now and the exciting things that are going on and the vision and, and how the Spirit of God has been tangibly moving and showing up, um, there's probably many of you who are saying, is that God? 
if, if you're honest with yourself. Or you might be saying, I'm not sure about that, or I have hesitations about that, or, or hey, we used to do things this way, and now we're doing things a different way, and I, I'm still trying to figure that out, and, and what am I supposed to do with this? And you know what I'm talking about. If you're in that camp, you know what I'm talking about. And that's tangible, and that's real, and that's okay. That's a real struggle, and I, and I want to validate that. But I also want to give you tools so that you can come to a place of peace around that, those things as well. And I want to share some of my stories and some of my experiences. I'm going to start in the Gospel of John. I'm going to be all over the place this morning. So if you can't flip through the scriptures really fast, I would invite you to listen. It's always going to be up on the screens. And the Daily Quiet Time has all these scripture passages that I'm going to cover. So I would encourage you to get that. If you don't have that, you can email the church office, office at washingtonchurch.org, and you, they will send that to you each day that it comes out. So the Gospel of John, chapter 10. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. There we go. This is what Jesus says. He says this, my sheep listen to my voice, or my sheep hear, listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. So right here, Jesus is telling us, if we have a relationship with him, we can hear him. That we learn to hear the voice of the shepherd, because the shepherd's speaking to us. So that's one of the things I, I want to kind of take off the table is the idea that God is not speaking to us because God is speaking to us or I am going crazy. Those are the two options. God is still speaking or you have a nutty pastor because I hear from the Lord on a regular basis in many different ways and, I'll, and I'll, I'll talk about some of those things. But you might say to yourself, well, I've never heard the voice of the Lord. And I can tell you this, if you've given your life to Christ, you have heard the voice of the Lord. Otherwise, you wouldn't be a follower of Jesus. So in that moment, when you surrendered your life to Christ, you heard from God. Because no matter what we want to do, we can pursue all we want, but unless God reaches out and grabs us, it's on his terms, not on ours. So if you're a believer, you've heard from, from God. I confirm that a thousand percent for you this morning. So take that with us. Part of the challenge becomes... When we want comprehension, when we hear from God. We want to be able to hear from God and understand everything and move forward. But if you know any better, most of the time God gives fragments, pieces, images, faint words, things of that, promptings, that we don't get the whole picture. I mean, go back to Abraham. Abraham, leave everything you've known and go to a new place. That's all he got. I mean, it was, it was a, a resounding, concrete word, yes, but he didn't get the whole picture. We live in a culture and a society, and I don't know about you, but I want everything out ahead of time. I want the 10 steps, and then I'll be obedient, Lord, to you. Then I'll do what you ask me. And I want each one in detail with subheadings below each one, and I want it spelled out, and I want you to sign it on a document for me in stone on tablets, and then I'll move forward. That's not how it works. That's not been my experience. If it's been yours, I'd love to hear about that, but that's not how it works. God begins to speak to us, but the problem is if, we're only, if we feel like we need to understand before we're going to move, nothing may happen. And we'd be left in a sense where we're actually hearing from God, but we're saying we're not hearing from God because we're not getting it in the way we want to get it, if that makes sense. Or how many of us sit at home and say, okay, Lord, you move and I'll respond. And God's like, no, it doesn't work that way. You move and I'll respond. And I'll, I'll meet you every step of the way. But you got to get up and you got to move. So the challenge for us is to develop a sensitivity to his voice. That's what we need to do. Begin to learn to listen. And also this, to expect to hear from God. If nothing else, I want you to leave this room expecting to hear from God. If you don't expect to hear from the Lord, chances are it's going to be hard to hear from God. Or if your theology keeps you from being able to listen to the Lord, you won't be able to hear from the Lord. Or you'll, you'll be very narrow in your, in your willingness to hear from God, and God will, will speak to you in that narrowness, because God is a God of love. He's a loving Father. But He's also saying, man, there's so many other ways I'd love to, to communicate with you, but you're not open to that. And so until we become open to those things... God respects us. That's what free will is about. 
And so God honors that. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, this is talking about Jesus. It says this, he sustains all things by the power, by the word of his power. If God stops speaking, we stop existing. We don't have a God that created all these things, stepped back and said, great, I'll see you at the end. Good luck with that. We have a God that's intimately involved in the minutia detail of our lives, or wants to be. But literally right here, it tells us if Jesus ceases to speak, we cease to exist. Because the universe functions and, and continues to, to rotate and, and move and grow and expand because we have the Christ presence all around us that is moving us, that is inviting us. There's a word in that, that, <clears throat> in that verse. The word word in Greek is really fascinating. Okay? And this is a new thing that I'm learning, and I haven't done an extensive study of this, and if anybody wants to take it on, Tim Clayton, I'll, I'll leave this with you. You can take it on. Um, when you're at the bank, pull out the scriptures and just start in between clients. There's two words for word in Greek. One is the one you've probably heard, which is logos. How many of you guys have heard that word logos before? Okay. First and foremost, the word of God is Jesus Christ. Okay. Secondly, when it uses the word logos, it's talking about a written word. So the scriptures, what we'd say is the word of God, the scriptures, okay? But there's another word in Greek that be translated as word, and that is rima. Rima doesn't mean the written word of God. Rima means the spoken word of God. And what I'm coming to realize in my own brief study is most of the time when it says obey my commands in the Old Testament to if, if you follow my word, okay, or, or here where it's talking about the, the word of, of Jesus that keeps things going, it's not logos, it's actually rima, which tells us that we are to obey the spoken word of God. And right away we go, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're taking me off the scriptures, I'm not sure what to do now. At least that's how I felt. Because this is, this is the grounding, and always is the grounding. It has been for me in my life, that's how it's been for Washington Church for the last 35 years, 40 years now. Um, but what we have to come to realize is that God speaks to us in ways in addition to his word, and not, <clears throat> not just exclusively within his word. Now, we have to be rooted and grounded in the scriptures. One of the best ways to hear, if you want to hear from God, spend more time in his, in his word, his written word. If you want to hear the rima of God, spend more time in the logos of God. Because then you'll be able to know when that spoken word comes or that prompting comes because it's not going to contradict this. They're going, to, they're going to fuse with one another. And they play off one another. And chances are they validate one another. That's how they work. That's how they move. But again, we have to be open to that. But let me ask you this. How many of you would say that you may not feel like you've heard from the voice of God, but you've, you've been able to say, I felt the presence of God at some point in my life? Raise your hand. Okay, let me share this with you. God's presence is his voice. Huh? When you feel the presence of God, you're experiencing the voice of God. There's a prompting there. There's a movement there. There's an invitation there. God is speaking to you. <clears throat> it may not be in an audible voice, but God is speaking to you. And so we need to, to accustom ourselves to that. First Corinthians Two, Paul is speaking to the church in Corinth. This is what he says. Verse 12, what we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, talking about the Holy Spirit, so that we may understand what God has freely given to us. So literally what Paul is trying to communicate to the church in Corinth is that God has given us his spirit, the Holy Spirit. And upon giving the spirit, it tells us what God wants. That's one of the major roles of the Spirit of God in our lives, is to communicate to us what the triune God wants, Father, Son, and Spirit. And that Spirit, that presence of God lives in us and wants to work through us to bring about the kingdom and advance God's kingdom. That's, that's, that was the original design. That word, that word understand in Greek is idu. Idu in this verse comes in the perfect active subjunctive for those English majors who know what those words mean. And literally it means, so that we might be knowing. 
So this knowing is an ongoing knowing. It's, it's, it, it doesn't work like this. This is how I want it to work. I want it to be like the matrix, where it's like, okay, discernment. Download it, Lord, then I have it all, and I can move with it, right? How many are with me? Like, that would be awesome if that's how it worked. Same thing with forgiveness, anything with love. All those attributes you want from me, Lord, just download. I mean, it would probably kill me if God did that, um, or anyone. It would be so intense. But what Paul's saying is it's an ongoing thing. So you learn a little bit, and then you learn a little more, and then you learn a little more. And guess what? I can hear a little clearer, and, and I become more confident in that hearing. And I begin to trust myself because I'm trusting the Lord. And I begin to move with God, and it becomes really exciting at that point when it comes to that point. But if we don't even trust in ourselves, or we don't even trust that God is speaking to us, we're never going to get to that point. We have to kind of jump off that cliff and break that barrier, or however you want, you want to illustrate that. But it has to happen for us in order to get to that place. Another great verse in 1 Corinthians 12. This is the beginning of the spiritual gifts passage that Paul's going into. He says, I want you to know how to discern what is truly from God. God wants us to be able to discern what is from Him. Because there are things that aren't from God in the spiritual world that we also have to be aware of. And guess what? If you Discernment is a gift. It's a spiritual gift. Discernment of spirits. And it, some of you have that gift. I've, I've had conversations with you. And you have the ability to, to literally experience. It's a feeling. It's a seeing. There's different ways of, of that gift manifesting in your life. But it's not just a happy gift where you get to see all pleasant things. Discernment of spirits is, is the totality of, of the spiritual world. Okay? The demonic and the angelic. But we're all called to discern. So there's the gift, and then there's living out an expression of the gift. And some people have that naturally, and the rest of us have to work at it. But we're all supposed to work at it. Are you with me? Okay? Because this is what the text says. Paul's not just saying, he's not saying, to those who have the gift of discernment, you need to work at discerning. He's saying, I want everybody to be able to discern. Because that's what God wants for you, to be able to discern, to know it's of the Lord or not of the Lord. That's a pretty crucial thing to know. And should be high on our priority list as, as followers of Jesus. See, any decision that we make, God wants to be included in. And I think, as I reflect on this, we usually do this automatically when we get to decisions that are beyond us, right? Some major job, financial things, relational things, great hardships um, and issues, we, it, it drives us to our knees. And so we say, Lord, help me in these things. And that's a good thing. That should be happening. It shouldn't happen because we feel like we've exhausted all of our resources, now we go to the Lord. What we should desire to do is come to a place as people of God where we say, first and foremost, Lord, I come to you before I even tap into any of my resources. And I get down on my knees and I invite you into this process. I invite you into this decision because God wants to be involved in each and every one of your decisions. Big or small, God cares about all those things more than we realize. And I don't think we give God credit for that. But he wants to move in us. How does the Spirit move? Okay, I'll just give you a sampling of, of examples, but I'm sure there are people in here that could give you even more. A word that comes to you. So this could be a spoken word where you hear it audibly. It could be a word in your head, in your mind. It could be actually a picture of a word that appears. Those are all ways that I've experienced God speaking to me. God speaks in visions. These visions can be, and we'll talk more about this when we get to the gifts, but these visions can be literally you're awake and you're seeing almost like a movie play out in front of you. It's really bizarre when that happens. Or in dreams. Right? God speaks to us in dreams. We see this in the life of Joseph. We see this with Peter. We see this with Jacob. Okay? God comes in dreams. Why? Because our subconscious is dropped. Our ego is lowered. And we become almost like a childlike state. And this is why I think Jesus says we need to become like children. We have so many defenses that we walk around with in our day-to-day -day lives. Because of our woundedness, because of our hurts, because of lots of different reasons. We build walls around us. And those walls keep us from being able to hear from God. Or being open to, to experience God in those ways. When we fall asleep, all those things come down. Because we can't hold them up when we're asleep. And God begins to speak to us. And so some of those dreams that you just think are, are crazy things may not just be crazy things. They might be God 
the creator of the universe trying to communicate with you about something in your life, to warn you about something, to let you know about something, to invite you to, to do something. So if you're somebody who, who's a, who remembers your dreams, I would encourage you to start writing these things down. And we'll pray, we'll ask God for people who can interpret dreams, because that's one of the gifts, those who can interpret dreams. And so if that starts happening in a community, we say, Lord, bring somebody into our community or give somebody in our community the ability or the gift to interpret these things so that we can know what to do with them. It's a way that God communicates with us. The reading of the scriptures, huge way that God communicates with us. That's why it's so important to steep ourselves in the written word of God. When we're prompted to say something to somebody, prompted to, to reach out, to, to make a phone call, to send a text message. How many of you guys have had that experience where you send a message because somebody comes into your mind? You don't necessarily know why, or you don't necessarily know exactly what to say, but you know, you have that feeling like, this person needs prayer right now, or this person needs an encouragement right now, and you, you think, I'll just do it, or sometimes you just think, ah, no big deal. And for those of you who do it, you hear back that that person's life was super encouraged by something you said. Why? Because God told you that they needed to hear from you. Why? Because that's how God often operates. God wants to use his people to do his will. And so that's why God speaks to us. Otherwise, God would just do everything himself, but that's not how God has chosen to operate. It's never been how God has chosen to operate. When God steps in and does things like part the Red Sea, that's, those are, are moments that aren't constantly happening. Most of the movements of God come through God's people. That's you. That's me. That's us. But I don't know if we see ourselves in that light. Or I don't know if we have confidence enough to believe that God can use us in that way. And that keeps, that's about identity, and, but that keeps God from moving in us. But again, how do we know? Here's an illustration that came to mind as I was sitting with this. Um, one of the things I love about my wife is she makes the best cookies I have ever tasted in my life, okay? I, and I'm not just saying that. Like, I, I have become a cookie snob. Like, I will take, if you set five cookies up here in front of me, one of, her, one of them was hers, and you blindfolded me, I could tell you probably without even tasting it which one was hers. From smell, from texture, but man, when that thing hits my mouth, boom, ain't nothing like it. Store-bought. Never found anything close, okay? And it's a double-edged sword, if you know what I mean. If she made them every day, I'd have serious problems. But I just know it, because I've been around it. I love it. I long for it. But you know how, you know the real truth behind it is? I know it's hers, because I know who made it. And so if I know the maker of the thing, I recognize the work. Same is true of the Spirit of God in our life. If we come to know God in that intimate way, in that deep way, I'm not just talking about giving your life to Christ. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about an intimate relationship. From that intimate relationship comes a recognition of what, what and how God moves. And you just know it. You see it. You taste it. You experience it. And the more it happens, the more you say, that's it right there. And the easier it becomes to call it out. Because here's one of the challenging things that we have to come to realize. God's will is not without, it's within. If the Spirit of God lives in us, then the will of God is right here. Everything we need is right here inside of us. Again, that looks different. It communicates different to different people. And when the Spirit of God comes on people, it functions in different ways. And we'll talk about that when we get into to the spiritual gifts. But everything you need is right in here. There is nothing that is lacking in you because you have the very presence of God in you if you have a relationship with Jesus. Galatians 5, verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Again, this is what Paul's telling the church of Galatia. The Spirit of God is supposed to guide you. It's supposed to lead you. The Greek word there is peripateo, which means to walk around. So literally Paul's saying, I want to invite you to walk around with the Spirit of God. Everywhere you go, cultivate an awareness. God is with you. And that God is trying to communicate to you, wants to lead you, wants to guide you, wants to make you more like Jesus. That's the goal. That's the invitation. Hebrews 5, 14. 
who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil or discern. Some versions will say discern. So right there, there's an example of of a training and an active working at it. Again, it's not something that's downloaded automatically. It's something that we work at, something that we move towards. I want to share a translation of this as I, I went through all the Greek words and kind of translated this. This is what I come up with. By constant habit of body and mind, training your external senses to practice discernment. That's the literal translation of this verse, if you go word for word in the Greek. I love that image. Constant habit of body and mind. Training your external senses to practice discernment. The word in there is gymnasium, where we get our word gym from. Like we go to the gym to work out, or we go to the gym to play basketball. Jason Corval would love to turn this sanctuary into a gym. That's his, he keeps telling us at, at almost every elder meeting. But that's what he's discerned that God has spoken to him. Maybe. Well, I guess we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I guess if I ate too many cookies, I wouldn't need a gym in here. That would be helpful. But it's a practicing. That's what happens. And we got to practice at it. Guess what? When you start to practice at something, I don't, has anybody been like awesome the first time you've done something? Maybe. Maybe Shannon. No, of course not. Nobody is. It takes practice. The first time I've done anything, I felt like a failure. Then I had to come back to it again and try again. And come back to it again and try again. And all of a sudden you realize, well, I can do this. The same thing is true with discernment. The same thing is true with walking with the Spirit. So how do you know it's of God? Jesus has an answer for this. He talks to us in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 7. So if you've ever wanted to know, how do you, how do you know something's of God? People have come to me all the time and asked me, do, how do I know this is of the Lord? They'll ask me this about podcasts they listen to, about books they read. They'll say, how, how do I know about other pastors in the city sometimes that can take place? And I'll say, well, what does Jesus say? And most people don't even know. Jesus has a way of telling us how we can know if something's of God or not. And I, my vote is go with Jesus. It's always, it's always a good play. But side note on this, and this is just a pastor saying this in a loving way, and I'm not saying this is t- true of, of those in this room, <clears throat> but there's something about Christian communities that can be the most judgmental people in the world. And Christian communities can be the most judgmental to each other, which is even worse. Because most of the time, the scriptures tell us not to judge. So if you want a way to judge, let's go on what Jesus says. Okay? Verse 17, a good tree produces good fruit. And a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. You want to judge something, look at people's actions. Look at the fruit they produce. Whether it's an author, whether it's a speaker, whether it's a person you're getting to know, whatever it is, Jesus says, judge them by the fruit they produce. Don't judge them by the bark on the tree or the leaves or how many limbs fall off. Those things don't matter. What matters is the fruit that is produced from the tree. That's what we are to look at. That's what we are to focus on. That's the invitation. What is the fruit that's being produced? The same thing, when, when you're in a setting where you might think, what is going on here? This is kind of odd or strange. What is the fruit being produced? What is the end result when that thing is concluded? See, the very Spirit of God has a fruit that it produces. And we should memorize this verse and we should know it back and forth. Because let me ask you this. If you go up to an apple tree, what do you expect? You go up to a lemon tree, what do you expect? Perfect. If you go up to a guacamole tree, what do you expect? <laughs> Seeing if you're paying attention. I grew up with avocado trees in California. My, my best friend as a kid had one. I had no idea like, how much that thing was worth. Now that I'm an adult and I buy avocados, how ridiculous they cost. Um, but there's an expectation. If I went up to an apple tree and it started producing lemons, I'd be like... Uh, something not right here. I'm not quite sure what this is amazing, but I'm, I'm not sure what I should do with that. 
The Holy Spirit has fruit that gets produced. Let's look at this in, in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, 22 and 23. And again, memorize this scripture. Take this home with you. Put it to memory if you haven't already. It says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. This is, again, Paul talking to the church in Galatia. In our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I used to think this was a description of the Holy Spirit. But what Paul is saying is this is what the Spirit of God produces. So if you want to know if something is from the Spirit of God, ask yourself, does it produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control? Now, you might have to reorient your definition of some of those words, but is that what's happening? If that's what's happening, I can tell you, you can probably take that to the bank, that that's the Lord. Because here's the insight. The enemy wants none of those things to happen. Nor can the enemy produce any of those things within you or outside of you. So here's a practical way to discern. How do I know it's of the Lord? Let's take a process. I'm trying to make a decision about changing a job. This is what I would encourage you to do. Take that into prayer. Hold it up before the Lord. Decide that you're going to invite God into that process. And this is where it gets scary for people because guess what? What if you have your heart set on this job and God says, nope, I don't want you to take it. Then what do you do? Because when you, when you come into a place of true discernment, one of the things that Ignatius of Loyola said, and, and this is back in the 500s, and nobody's done anything as extensive as, he, as this man has, 1500s, excuse me. And literally what he said is, when you come to a place of discernment, it has to be like a scale, one of those old school scales, right? He said, you have to hold it like this with open hands, even on both sides. Why? Because if you've already tipped the scales, guess what? All you're asking for God to do is now bless your decision. That's not discernment. Discernment is saying, Lord, what you want, I want. And that's a scary thing to say. Because God might say, pack your bags, you're going to the Middle East, and you're like, no, nah, I don't think so. That's too much, too hard, too scary for me. Well, that's what God wants. So do you do what God wants, or do you do, you do what you want? But oftentimes, God aligns your heart so that you want what He wants, so that you're ready when God brings that to you, so it's not that extreme. So take whatever you're discerning and you hold it before the Lord and you say with open hands, Lord, this is what I bring before you. I get down on my knees. And then one of the things that, that Ignatius invites you into, which is powerful, is he says, imagine yourself taking that new job. Picture it the best you can in prayer. Lord, show me what that might look like. Show me what a day there might be like. And then you sit and you ask yourselves, what do I feel? What do I sense when I do that? Do I feel the peace of God? Do I feel joy there? Do I feel kindness coming out of me? No, that, that feels anxious. That feels, okay, well, let's take a step back then. Does that make sense? Okay. It's a, an extremely practical thing that you can do. But you take the fruit of the Spirit, because again, that's what, the, that's what the Spirit produces. And you ask yourself, will this decision I'm about to make result in producing the fruit of the Spirit? If you can't say yes to that, then I would say press pause on that movement. Spend more time. It doesn't mean no, but just press pause and wait and see what God has for you, okay? Philippians 4, 7, I love this verse. The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I have found in my own life that the peace of God has been one of the best things. Again, that's one of the fruits of the Spirit is peace. But the peace of God has been one of the greatest tools that I've been able to lean on in my own journey of following God and following the movement of the Spirit in my life. Because I can tell you this, I've been in situations where I haven't felt comfortable. I'm going to share a couple of them with you, and then we're going to take communion together. On one of the conferences that I went to, I was there with a roommate of mine, trusted friend. I trust him with my life. We've known each other for 20-something years, lived together for three years. We know lots about each other. And he invited me out. I went to this conference with him. We're standing together. It's towards the end. And they invited, um, it was a time to what they call impartation in the scriptures, which is laying, laying hands on people and praying over them, specifically around gifts, receiving of gifts. And I was like, I don't know about that. 
And, uh, and they said, if, you, if you'd like to, to have somebody lay hands on you and pray for you, come on up. And, and I'm sitting there going, um, I'm like, well, let me ask uh, Eric about this. I look over and Eric's gone. So I'm standing there by myself in the back of the conference center. I'm like, okay. Uh, well, let's see how this goes. So I just stayed in my seat. I was like, no, I'm just going to stay here. This is, I'm comfortable here. And uh, I was one of the only people that stayed in their seats. I was like, wow, okay, this is interesting. Usually I'm the one who's like ahead of everybody else. So I'm watching Eric up there. <clears throat> I'm like, okay, let's see how this goes. Let's see how this goes with Eric. Okay, Lord. And the whole time I'm saying like, is this you, God? Is this, is this, is this you? Or I? And I watched Eric, and as they came around, they laid hands on him, and all six foot three of them went straight to the ground. I go, what in the world? I've heard about this before. I've seen like on TV or like crazy stories about people doing this in other parts of the world, but I have never been in a building where that's happened. Call it whatever you want to call it. Slain in the spirit, going out, Jesus nap, whatever you want to call it. And it's one thing to see random people do that. It's another thing to see somebody you know and trust have that experience. Because I know that person, and I know he's a no BS person. And I'm sitting there going, what is going on? And I remember immediately saying, stopping, closing my eyes and saying, Lord, is this you? If this is you, give me a piece about this. I'm not comfortable with it. I've never seen this before. I don't understand what's happening right now. But Lord, if it's you, verify it through your peace. And right away, I felt the peace of God. I said, okay, I trust you, Lord. And I walked up and I, I was like, Wondering if he's still breathing. <laughs> and he was, still alive today. And I was like, okay. There was another, another moment, same trip. He's a part of a prayer team at a church, and they invited me. They were praying for people, and they invited me into this kind of pre-prayer service where all the people who pray for people get together ahead of time. And it's like this intense space. And I literally walked into this space, and it was like walking into a cloud. It was like, holy, it was like felt heavy in the room. I don't know if you've had that if you can identify with that, if you've been in a space like that, you know what I'm talking about. And as people are praying, I'm sitting there, and they're literally like walking in a circle and just praying together. And I'm sitting in a chair, and I'm, you know, again, I'm like keeping my distance. This is new. I'm, you know, I'm the visitor here. I want to be respectful. And the Lord speaks to me and says, are you comfortable where you are, or where you are at, or do you want more of me? Okay, Lord. Okay. So I get up. I start walking with the people who are walking. I start joining them, just praying, me and the Lord. Unbelievable experience. Literally, like, I, I felt like I was floating around the room and not even walking. Because I was worried about, like, they're walking in a circle, but their, their eyes are closed. Are they going to run into a pole? Or, you know, like, had all these, you know, my head was, like, taking over. And as I'm walking around, having this just deep, intimate experience of God, all of a sudden, people start laughing. Like, uncontrollably laughing. And I'm like, that's odd. I've not been in prayer gatherings where people are laughing like that. Like, not, they're not stopping. It's not like, ha, 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 ha. It's like uncontrollable laughter. I'm like, this is weird. Here I am again in one of those weird situations. Again, I go, Lord, is this you? Is this you? And right away, peace. I had a peace about it. It's like, okay, I'm not ready to join in and start laughing, but God, this seems to be you. I don't know, one more experience. At the end of this time of, of prayer, they had people come in from the outside. They prayed for him, for hundreds of people. It was amazing. They got back together again, that same group, in that same room. And man, I thought the, first, I thought the morning was intense. It was even more intense after, after they'd been praying for all these people. And they literally come back together. They share about what's gone on. And then they just worship together. And not only is there, they're laughing going on, and now it's like, okay, I'm like, that doesn't bother me as much anymore. I got out of my head, and I just let God be God. And, and people are laying down on the ground, taking their Jesus naps. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I've seen that now. I'm a little bit more comfortable with that. But what I didn't expect is a woman began to speak in tongues out loud. And I was like, okay, here, here we go, God. It's like one after the other after the other. And then she began to interpret her own tongue. And I go, no words. I literally, but I was like, it's in the Bible. Even though it freaks me out, it's in, it's in here. 
Paul talks about it. So I was like, okay, Lord, you mention it. This is a few. And what she said was absolutely beautiful. It, it led me to tears. And it was it's just about the love of God and how much God loved. And it was unbelievable experience. Totally foreign to anything I've ever experienced before. It didn't mean it wasn't God. Jesus says in John 3, 8, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. The word for Holy Spirit is wind. Okay? Pneuma in Greek, ruach in, in Hebrew. It means, it means the Spirit, it means wind, it means force, it means you know, blowing, it means something's happening. And I think oftentimes when I think about wind, I imagine myself, you've probably had this experience before, this is one of the neat things about living in the Midwest that I get, didn't get to experience. In California, when you wake up and you go, oh, it's sunny in 70 again today. <laughs> Tough, huh? No snow, but you have the surf, you can drive to the snow if you want. It's a rough, rough go. In the Midwest, you wake up and you go, oh, it's seven degrees outside and it's snowy. Or even worse, when it, there's no snow and it's negative something outside and it's just bitter and you're like, mm-hmm. But there are times and transitions, like in the fall, where, where you get up and you, like, you see the leaves start to blow around, right? And you see the trees like sway, and you're like, oh, this is cool to, to sit here and watch this. Now, what's happening outside is the wind is blowing. I can't see the wind blowing, but what can I see? I can see the effects of the wind, right? And it's, it's the best when you like rake your lawn, and then you go inside in this big windstorm, and your neighbor doesn't rake his lawn, and then all of a sudden his leaves are on your, so you... You get me there. And it's really neat to do that. What's even neater is when I open the door and I walk outside and I can begin to feel the wind. But I can't feel the wind unless I'm willing to open the door and I'm willing to walk outside. You with me? That's my subtle loving hint for all of us. Because we can stay inside our houses and God respects that. But the door is always open, and Jesus is always on the other side going, hey, you want to come out and play? This is my other loving, sharing, pastoral thing I want to share with you guys this morning is this. Never let your previous experience of God or your not fully formed theology of the Spirit get in the way of your experience with the Spirit of God. Do I need to say that again? Okay. Whatever experience you've had in the past, don't let that dictate your future experiences. I had a sister tell me when I was in that um, spiritual formation practicum once, she said, you know what the greatest, this is like, (laughs) you gotta love it, one of those like literal legit nuns who spent her entire life in prayer and, and serving the Lord. And she's in her 70s. She comes up to me and she's like this tall. And she goes, Jimmy, you know what gets in the way of you experiencing God? And I was like, no, but I really want to hear your answer because you've got street cred, like <laughs> mad street cred. She goes, your previous experience of God. I know, right? Been sitting with that for almost 20 years. So never let your previous experience of what you have experienced in God or your limited theology of the Holy Spirit get in the way of allowing you to fully experience God. Because I can tell you God's bigger than that. And unless you're sitting in this room and you can tell me you've experienced God to the fullest extent, all of, all of what God has to offer and all of his power, then there's room because there's more. And there's always more of God. So that's the invitation. I mean, if we were here this morning and 120 of us were drunk and stumbling around and speaking in other languages, would you be like, that's the Spirit of God? I'd be like, no. It was in Acts 2. That's what it seemed like. That's what it was recorded as. So there's, there's these incredible movements in God's Word about how God works. And, and again, I think we understand a very minimal amount. And even if we've read it, it doesn't mean we, we've internalized it to the extent that we want to or God wants us to internalize it. So this is, this is what I want to do at the end here. I want to invite you into a time before we come up and take communion. Because I, I feel like I had to go through this, and I, and I want to 
create a space so that you can enter into this if you choose to. But that is to do this. And I, I say this in, in the most loving way I can say this. I want to give us a time to repent of the times where we didn't listen. Does that make sense? Because I think oftentimes, again, God is speaking to you. Even right now, God may be speaking to you. And for me, most of the time, I can remember early on when I first had a recognition that it was the Lord speaking to me, I was so hesitant to do anything about it because I didn't believe in myself. And so God would ask me to do something, and I would be like, ah, that just seems too much. Sorry. Try again. Is there like an easier one you can ask me to do? And what I didn't realize is that was an easy one he was asking me to do at the time, because God meets us where we're at, um, and he starts where we're at, and he takes us farther beyond that. But I can tell you this, there are so many times where I've had to repent of a lack of obedience in my life when God's prompted me, encouraged me, asked me to step out in faith and to trust him, and I didn't do it. And I'm guessing I'm not alone. So we need to, to, to kind of clean that slate, wipe it clean, and say, Lord, forgive me for those times where I didn't listen. Forgive me for those times where I didn't believe it was you when you prompted me, or I didn't know any better. And that's why I want to be a community of faith that begins to empower our people and train them to, to listen to the word of God, but also to be aware of how the Spirit moves in their lives. This is so crucial, so important. And then I want to leave you with this verse and, and just some practical things. 2 Corinthians 3.16. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Think about that for a second. Because how I want it to be is I want the veil to be taken away and then I'll turn to the Lord, right? But Paul's saying, no, no, no. When you turn to the Lord, when you shift your focus, when you open yourself up in a certain way, then God will part the veil. And guess what's behind the veil? The Holy of Holies then the presence of God will be experienced. A couple things. Number one, desire to do what God wants. If you come with that desire, if you're willing to say, I want to do what you want to do, it'll radically change your life. But then follow through with what the Lord says to you. Number two, remember about the fruit of the Spirit, the peace of God. Carry those things around with you. Memorize that verse. Carry those attributes. Look for those things in people's lives, in your own life. Let that be a judge or a rule or a marker for you. Posture yourself in a position to receive. We need to be getting alone with God. We need to have times where we quiet ourselves. I think part of the reason we don't hear from God is because our lives are so full and so busy. And we don't take the time to do that. We need to posture ourselves before the Lord and say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. Ask for God to move. God, speak to me. Ask for that to happen. You will be shocked and what begins to happen in your life when you ask that simple prayer? When you pray that simple prayer, God will honor that prayer. Lord, speak to me. Next, steep yourself in God's word. Okay? Those things need to align. This will, this will help you and give you instructions on how to live out what God asks you to do. Everything will come back to this. Okay? You may not understand it fully, or at first it might seem to contradict, but on further depth and further study, you'll see an alignment of things. Or go and talk to somebody about it. You're like, I have this movement of God. I feel like God's asked me to do this, but I'm wrestling with it. I don't know what to do. Go before somebody who's had that experience, and right away, when people come to me and say, I think God's asking me to do this, most of the time it's like, totally. Absolutely. But the hesitancy is in the uncomfortableness, because it'll take you outside of your comfort zone. Because guess what happens when you are taken out of your comfort zone? What do you have to rely on? Which is exactly what God wants, Right? Cultivate expectation. That's the final thing I want to share with you this morning. Expect God to move. Expect God to speak to you. Expect that that's what God wants to use you. I would invite all of us here, show up every Sunday with an expectation that you're going to encounter the living God. Every Sunday. Why not? This is the house of God. Isn't this where we should be encountering the Lord? That doesn't mean this is the only place, but this is this. When we come together like this, well, I can tell you this: if you get a room of people who are expecting God to move, guess what happens? God honors that in powerful and profound ways. Tonight, if you can make it, come. You will see God move in powerful and profound ways. You'll hear about Christina's story, unbelievable story. I got we met for the first time months ago. I think we spent three hours at a coffee shop. It was one of those times where you expect to sit with somebody for an hour. 
And then three hours later, you're like, oh, it's like seven o'clock. I wonder if the cookies are ready at my house that my wife is making for me. We always have communion on Sundays where we, I think we need it the most. When we're talking about is something of God or something of not of God, this is, this is such a grounding thing for me, at least. I don't know about you, but whenever I come before the table with the bread and the cup, it's always a reminder of how much God loves me, what God has done for me, and it just brings me back home in a way. So that's my desire for us this morning. When Jesus took bread, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. At the same time, he took the cup of the new covenant. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant. My blood shed for the forgiveness of your sin. Whenever you do this, do it in remembrance of me. So as we come to the table, may we be reminded of the body and the blood of Christ. The table is open here at Washington. All are welcome to come. As Christ died for all of us. And may it be a reminder for us of how much God loves us and that God is still wanting to speak to us and use us and remind us. After you come for communion, I'm going to ask for the prayer team to be made available just outside the communion tables, kind of outside the way. And if you want to, if you feel like you need somebody to pray for you, whether it's, Lord, open my eyes so that I can see you. Lord, I want to hear from you. Or Lord, forgive me for the times that I haven't listened to you. Prayer team is going to be available for you to pray those things over you, to share with them what it is you want prayer for, and they'd love to pray for you. They've been, I told them ahead of time. So I want to ask our servers to come to the tables and get ready. Spend some time for the, with the Lord, just you on your own. When you feel ready, you're welcome to come to the table and experience and be reminded of forgiveness and love and grace and mercy of God. Thanks for listening. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at office at or go to our website, washingtonchurch.org.